So there we were, standing behind the curtain of Box 50, best seats in the house, too caught up in the thrill of our unexpected quintessential New York City evening to worry about the fact that all of our phones were as good as dead. Almost. To the French horn player at Phantom, let's not fight it. A blog post by Rachel Malik on October 22nd, 2019. As I type, I sit gazing at last weekend's Phantom of the Opera playbill, proudly displayed alongside a string of Halloween garland I got from that dollar section of Target goodies when I was home over the long weekend. I look at the playbill, as I vow to you, dear reader, as your transparent narrator, that the story I am about to tell is intentionally, and hopefully entertainingly, dramatic. Fueled in part by my binging of Amazon Prime's modern love series, Saturday was a day that began in a dreamy haze of romantic possibility. It all started with brunch. Actually, it started the week before when I planned my brunch outfit in my head. I was going full Carrie Bradshaw, a black pleated skirt with a graphic sweater and heeled booties, topping it off with a schoolboy hat. It's important you have the visual. We were to celebrate Emma's 23rd birthday at Carol Place. Where else would you bottomless? A lovely reunion with those who I can confidently say will one day be old friends. Over mimosas and red-faced laughter, we talked about our current obsessions and passions and endeavors, each of us overwhelmingly aware that the, quote, future about which we so frequently chatted at staff meetings and during duty shifts was becoming reality faster than our cool NYU waitress could refill our mimosa pitcher. Our afternoon was spent popping from dive bar to chain store, Tequila shot, fitting room, mirror selfie in the snap group, and repeat. This is adult friendship. Before dusk, the group dispersed, and Emma, Sarah, and I were left discussing hinge dates and career aspirations in the warm, artificial glow of the heat lamps at Bryant Park. Let it be known that there was a resounding lack of hotties there that evening. Sad. Eventually, we decided to stroll, half looking for a place to eat and half seeing what New York City might invite us to do. Before long, we were intoxicated by dazzling marquees and crowded streets, forcing ourselves not to think about how bad our feet hurt at this point in the day. This, the power boot pain, was a fact reiterated to us by the ticketeer, yes, I made that word up, at the box office at the Majestic Theater on West 44th Street. Standing room only, he said. As any tactful New Yorkers would do, we negotiated. We simply couldn't stand, even at the meager Broadway price of $29. Snakeskin booties have never been so cruel to me, but like I said, we negotiated. Not five minutes later, we secured ourselves a private box a la Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, only a $25 price hike from the standing room. We'll take three. So there we were, standing behind the curtain of Box 50, best seats in the house, too caught up in the thrill of our unexpected quintessential New York City evening to worry about the fact that all of our phones were as good as dead. Almost. Admittedly, we scoured that box for an outlet. Damn these historic theaters and their lack of connectivity. Alas, we would live for the moment, after a vlog or two, duh. When the curtain rose and the auction scene began, however, I found it difficult to focus on the play. My first phantom experience, I might add. It wasn't for lack of interest. I was thrilled to be there, thrilled to have our box, thrilled to experience the culture. But there was an unavoidable distraction. You see... From my exclusive perch in the box of all boxes, I had an unobscured eyeline view into the orchestra. More specifically, I had an unobscured eyeline view into the eyes of a remarkably handsome French horn player. 
I remember wondering what it must be like to play in an orchestra like this one. Does the monotony get to him, playing the same songs time and time again, night after night? How does he differentiate one performance from the next? Could it be, I wondered, by the girl in Box 50? I pondered the meta-narrative going on in my head, ironically as Phantom watched Raoul watch Christine. Now I know I preface this anecdotal blog post with my own theatrical intentions, but rest assured, I couldn't lie about these specifics. French horn number two and I caught each other's gazes for the entire duration of the production. I couldn't stop myself from glancing down each time there was any kind of sonic transition, which, in a musical, is fairly regular. And every time, I'd catch his eye. Doesn't he need to be reading his sheet music? I imagined a massive screw-up from the orchestra at the fault of the French horn. The thought made me almost proud of my eye-contacted intervention, no matter how imaginary. Then I remembered the monotony I pondered earlier. French horn had his music memorized. He was free to stare right on back. Now I'll be honest with you. On multiple occasions, I made my facial reactions to the musical extra animated so as to entertain French horn number two. I didn't want to be lumped in with all the other Box 50 girls he's seen over the years. Though he looked young. I can't say confidently he's been performing with the Phantom Orchestra for years exactly. Nonetheless, I figured I'd harness the energy of the dramatic environment around me and perform a bit myself. For what I could tell, it worked. And I was sure to applaud him wholeheartedly at the end of the performance even as Ben Crawford's Chuck Bass sexiness captured the attention of all the other ladies in the theater. I decided to suspend this moment of mystery, however. I hesitate to consult my playbill to find French Horn Number 2's name, the anonymity of his identity not unlike the Phantom's mask. Perhaps one day I'll seek him out. Perhaps he'll read this very post. For now, I'll listen to all I ask of you, and imagine the French Horn solo, are those a thing? He'll play at our wedding. May there be updates to come.